Advent, and last week we looked at the story of the wise men, these kings from the east, uh, who came, saw a star, saw an angel, heard a word, uh, made their way towards a king born to the Jews, who also was a king of kings and a lord of lords, for they also came not just to give him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but also their worship. They fell down before him and worshipped him. Uh, Along the way, they first came to Jerusalem, but weren't distracted by all the matters and the the issues of the world and of the day, Um, the politics and the things that were um, in an uproar. But they continued on until they came to that place where the child was, and they saw him there uh, with Mary, his mother. This is, hopefully, this story can sort of set the frame for us for our journey through Advent. We, too, are on our way to meet the Christ child. Uh, This morning, what I'd like to do is to, um, we're going to turn to Psalm 85 in just a minute, and that's going to help provide for us um, a pattern uh, by which we can make our journey. Um, But first, I want to read to you a quote, because Advent is shaped and framed not only by this journey, but also by a sense of longing. Um, our, our, Our first hymn, let all mortal flesh keep silence. You can hear the longing in that song, uh, sort of the yearning for something else. And so this, this week I read um, a couple sentences from a guy named James Smith, and I'm going to read you that quote. He says, um, I thought Advent would be a respite somehow eager to climb out of the doldrums of ordinary time and COVID tide, I was looking forward to a season of hope. But Advent might not be the antidote I want it to be. What is Advent but an annual practice of hope deferred? There is an absence, a lack, a longing at the heart of Advent. I suspect I'm not alone in feeling the absence more heightened this year. I suspect he's not alone in feeling the absence and the longing heightened this year either. Um, this morning, as after Joy heard the sermon and leading into the last song, she was reflecting on, um, uh, on Jonathan, her youngest, wrapping Christmas presents and then realizing for his siblings, and, and this was great, and then realizing that he didn't have any under the tree. And so I'm going to go to my room, Mom, so you can wrap up my presents now. Uh, but, but the sense of hope deferred, of longing, of yearning, is like a, I mean, it's like a kid looking at the present wrapped under the tree that they can't yet open, right? Um, this is part and parcel of this time of year. Um, I, too, am, am longing for a time when we can meet without, without face masks, right? A, a, a time when... Uh, family and friends and church folks can come over to our house again um, in ways that aren't mitigated or affected by all the, all the stuff that we have in place. I'm, I'm longing for a time when our hearts aren't burdened by the things that they are burdened by at present. I wonder about the things for which you long. Um, Psalm 85 is going to take all of that yearning and longing and hope deferred And help us understand that in terms of a desire for heaven and earth to come together. We've been talking about that 
don't know, off and on for a few weeks now. And it's, so, it's interesting to see it pop up again in this psalm that is prescribed for the second Sunday in Advent. Heaven and earth coming together. That's the source of our true longing. It's um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer that we pray in the Lord's Prayer. That's the longing that we feel. All this other longing is symptomatic of the fact that heaven and earth aren't yet together. And so this is the thing for which we long. And in fact, Psalm 85 is going to make the point that a longing for heaven and earth together is actually a longing for the incarnation. For Jesus. Ambrose of Milan in the second century said about Isaiah the prophet. Edwin read a couple lines from Isaiah this morning. Isaiah also says in this book that's um, sometimes called the fifth gospel, even though it was written hundreds of years before Christ because it so clearly points to him. Um, Isaiah says, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Ambrose said that this is a picture. Unto us a child is born is a picture of, well, a child coming from the earth, from humanity, from among us. But the son that is given comes from the father, the eternal son begotten of the father before all worlds. In Jesus, heaven and earth come together in one person. And so all of our longing to see heaven and earth united happens in Jesus. And Psalm 85 is a prayer that's not only going to reveal that truth, it's going to give us a pattern by which we can enter into that truth. It's going to give us a pattern by which we can be shaped this Advent specifically in our prayers. So I'm going to read Psalm 85, but first I'm going to give you the pattern so that you can be uh, aware of it as we come to it. So here's the pattern. Psalm 85 is going to is going to encourage us, and I encourage you to do this as you pray this week. As you say your prayers, use this pattern. Um, first, remember. Remember. And then cry out. Listen and hear. Four, four parts. Remember, cry out, listen, and hear. Those headings aren't in the passage, but I'm going to give you those just so that you can pay, listen in a particular way as we approach it. So I invite you to listen carefully and listen well. For this too is the word of the Lord as the psalmist invites us to remember in verses 1 to 3. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. And after the psalmist remembers, he then cries out, Restore us again, O God, of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. After remembering and crying out, the psalmist begins to listen. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them turn not back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. After remembering and crying out and listening, he then hears. 
steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss one another. Faithfulness springs up from the ground. Righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good. And our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before Him and make His footsteps away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can you give me the pattern? This is just to help you remember it later. So remember, cry out, listen, and hear. You say that with me? Remember, cry out, listen, and hear. We're going to, in order to kind of, hopefully that's the pattern of your prayers this week, but I'm going to kind of fill in each of those sections a little bit and and just move through that pattern. Um, But hopefully this is something you can take home with you if you need to write it down on the back of the bullets and do that. But I I hope that this will aid you as you journey like the wise men towards Christ. I hope that this will be um, a gift. So remember, do you notice that those first three verses are all in the past tense? The psalmist is remembering. He says, Lord, you were favorable. Lord, you restored. Lord, you forgave. Lord, you covered. Lord, you withdrew your wrath. Lord, you put away and turned from your anger. These are all things that God has done. He's he's remembering God's faithfulness in the past. And so implicit in all of this is the story of Scripture. Certainly the psalmist has in mind um, the acts of God in the past. So we might think in terms of the covenants, and we can move through the whole Old Testament here and even into the New. So how could you remember if you're practicing this, this week? How can you remember? Well, first look at, look at Adam and Eve. Remember how God, after they fell, spoke to them and said, yes, your lives are going to be difficult now in this fallen world, but one day one of the woman's descendants will tread upon the head of the serpent. Remember that, yes, the world uh, devolved into wickedness and the Lord sent a flood, but also afterwards the Lord made a promise to Noah and set a bow in the sky saying, never again will I destroy the world by water. Remember Adam and Eve and the promise God made. Remember the promise to Noah. Remember the promise to Abraham, the one to whom God promised in his old age, his and Sarah's old age, a son, a child whom they named Laughter, Isaac. And accompanying that child was also the promise that his descendants would not one day be like the stars of the heaven and as numerous as the sands by the sea. Remember that promise as it was reiterated Uh, spoken to Abraham, but also reiterated to Isaac and to Jacob. Remember the promise that God made to Moses and all the people as they gathered at Mount Sinai, as um, God said, I am the Lord your God who led you out of slavery, out of bondage in Egypt, and now I will be your God and you will be my people. Remember the promise that God made to David, who ascended to to the throne, that one day one of his sons would sit upon the throne of Israel forever. Remember those promises. Remember with the psalmist what God has done and what God has has promised to do. Remember, feel with the prophets the yearning, the longing for this messianic king to come and for the fortunes of Israel to be restored and for salvation to be known. Remember. Remember that God made good on those promises. That God came to us As a child, as one of us, the son came as the child 
Unto us a child is born and a son is given, came as Jesus, came in weakness and apparent helplessness to be among us as one of us. Remember that this one lived for us and died for us and rose for us and sent the Spirit for us and promises to come again for us. He came once in weakness, but promises to come again in power and in glory. Remember that this same one has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Remember. Remember the faithfulness of God. Remember His promises to us and to you. But remember not just the pattern of Scripture and the unfolding of the story that God is working out in the world, but remember also God's faithfulness here at Newland Presbyterian. As we gathered this morning, as we have been doing for nearly a year, on the hill where the Reverend Edgar Tufts sat down with Mr. Piercy and broke bread and prayed for a church that would be built and born, built up, um, and then sent out. Uh, God providing for this congregation to be able to plant three churches in the first 25 years, three congregations, three chapels that sprung up. Uh, remember, God's faithfulness, not just in the distant past, but even in the, in, in the present. As one in five churches are anticipated to close in the next 12 to 16 months, in the last year, the Lord has blessed our congregation with 10 new members. He's led 10 new people here to join us. In the last few months, three baptisms. Remember God's faithfulness. In Scripture, remember God's faithfulness to us here. Remember God's faithfulness to you in your own life. When you were at your wit's end, when you didn't know where to turn, and God showed up in that way in which He showed up. When you didn't know what to do next and God made a way. Remember. That's how the psalmist begins. That's how you can begin your prayers this week in remembrance. The Lord who invites us to his table and says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember. And then cry out. Uh, this may be a little easier for us to imagine. Sometimes we jump right to the crying out and don't do the remembrance part, right? Uh, cry out. And Christianity isn't stoicism where whatever bad happens in the world, we just steal ourselves and say, well, we'll deal with it. The, the Psalms in particular provide plenty of, of room for us to lament, for us to cry out to God. And the psalmist invites us to do that. He says, restore us again, O God of our salvation. Restore us again. Restore us again, cried doctors and nurses who've been working double shifts, going home to grab a bite to eat and then fall into the bed exhausted, only to get up the next day and do it again. Restore us again, again uh, cried doctors and nurses who are re-wearing protective gear and whose rooms are overflowing and whose workstations are piled high with paperwork who had been preparing for this for so long, but now it's here and everything seems out of control. Restore us again is their cry, is it not, is their prayer. Restore us again, O God. Restore us again, cries that lonely person whose longest conversations during the week happen at the grocery store behind a mask with strangers who don't feel comfortable talking that long, so pull away. Restore us again, O God. We people who are made to be with people but have been away from people for so long. 
Restore us again, cry teachers who don't know if they're online or in person or somewhere in between. Restore us again, cry teachers who are making lesson plans, more lesson plans than they're able to teach. Restore us again, cry students who aren't supposed to sit behind plexiglass and talk to friends behind masks and refrain from hugging. Restore us again, O oh God. Restore us again, cry parents who don't know if kids will be at school or out or if they can make it to work today or not or if work will even be there at all. Restore us again. Restore us again, cry families who didn't see each other for Thanksgiving and probably aren't going to see each other for Christmas. Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Cry out. After you remember, cry out. Restore us again. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. After you remember and after you cry out this week, uh, listen. Listen. How do you begin to listen? We've talked about solitude and silence and fasting and some of these spiritual disciplines that enable us to listen better, to listen carefully, to listen well. How do we begin to... Well, to begin with, you have to stop for a moment remembering and crying out. You fall silent. And what's the next thing you literally begin to hear? Your own breath. Start there. You of the earth who take the heavens into your body. Heaven and earth being joined in you and you realize that's a gift. It's a gift from God. That's one of the ways that he speaks to you in giving you life. You listen to your own breath. You listen to the baby crying in the next room. You listen maybe to Christmas music you have playing. You listen to the sounds outside you. Maybe a few birds singing at the feeder. You listen and you begin to look and you begin to pay attention and you see the mountains rising up and you see the, the, the sun breaking through the clouds and you begin to pay attention to the creation. It's one way of listening. Theological terms is called general revelation. It's that grace God gives that is available to everyone all the time. It's the world around us. It's life. It's being. Begin to listen to that. But that's not, that's not necessarily enough. There's also the specific revelation. Listen to the scriptures, to God's word to you. Listen to the words of the psalmist. Listen to the promises of the covenants throughout time and history. Um, listen to the word that God speaks in the prophets as they long for the coming Messiah. Listen to the word God speaks in the coming of His Son, the Word made flesh. Listen as God speaks in the book of Acts of the church as the gospel begins, begins to grow and to spread. Listen, listen, listen. And then you can begin to hear. That's that fourth piece. You begin to hear heaven and earth coming together. What does He say? Steadfast love has said... It's a word spoken of God. It's God's kind of faithfulness. Even it's hard to kind of translate all that it entails. Um, the steadfast love of the Lord that endures forever. God's steadfast faithfulness which never fails. Steadfast love and faithfulness come together. The steadfast love is the Lord's. It is our faithfulness. These come together. Heaven and earth joined. He says, um, righteousness and peace kiss one another. Isn't that a beautiful line? Righteousness, being, being right relationship with God. 
And the peace that comes with that, kiss. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, from where the ground, the earth. Righteousness looks down from the sky, from where? From heaven. And meat. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Ambrose of Milan, the same one who was talking about, unto us a child is born from the earth, unto us a son is given from heaven, together in the person of Jesus. He goes on to talk about Psalm 85 in this, in this way, of Jesus in this way. He says that Jesus is the reconciliation of these two realms, heaven and earth. It happens together in Him. And so He Himself is our peace, right? Righteousness and peace kiss one another. Christ is our peace. Indeed, the psalmist says, surely His salvation will come. His glory will fill the land. Jesus is our glory. It's talking about the Shekinah glory of God, which led the people as a pillar of fire through the wilderness uh, as they made their way to the promised land, right? This same glory is revealed in Christ as He ascends the Mount of Transfiguration and it beams, emits light, the uncreated light of God. Glory! It says, we'll dwell in our land. It is Christ come to be with us. That's what he's talking about. This is who the psalmist is pointing us towards, to Jesus. The one we yearn for. The one we long for. The one who, like the wise men, we journey toward this season. And as you make that trip, you've got some particular steps now that you can take as you walk. To remember, to cry out, to listen, and finally to hear. The beautiful thing is that as you begin to hear, heaven and earth are joined in you, aren't they? For Christ lives within you. And you can rejoice in the Lord again and offer that joy to the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, if you would, please stand with me, and those who are able, and let us affirm what we believe uh, with one voice, using the word.